Welcome to the Rebel Influencer Podcast with me, your host, Leona Burton. In a world where conformity often reigns supreme, I am here to spotlight the rebels, the people who are changing the game. This podcast is brought to you by Peaks Private Members Club, the very place to be for successful entrepreneurs scaling past six figures, those people who are looking for long-lasting connections. At Peaks, founded by Nicola Peak, they specialize in breakthrough business and social events that go beyond the ordinary. It's a place where successful entrepreneurs come together to experience transformative mastermind sessions, receive unique mentoring and build long lasting relationships with peers on the same growth journey. Stay with us to the very end for an exclusive Peaks offer. Danny flipping Wallace. Hello. I'm so bloody excited to have this conversation with you. You are one of my most favorite humans on the internet. Like you really oh. are. You are. You are because, do you know what? For me, you are the ultimate rebel, but you're not just a rebel without a cause. You're a rebel with a cause. And that's mm. not just online like that really is like that is in person too and for me that's really important because you embody what you teach you embody what you speak about in real life 365 that doesn't differ depending on who's around you just are the same person which is fucking awesome in my opinion I think it's refreshing as well. Like a lot of people have personalities out on the internet and then you meet them in real life and they're not the person you expect them to be. And I haven't got time to take hats on and off depending on the situation that I'm in. Like I'd rather just be myself. So thank you for having me today, Leona. It is, do you know what? I really love doing these things when, when my friends are doing them because it, it makes my heart feel really happy. So the light in me sees the light in you today, babes. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you too. So rebel influencer for me is about people that are rebellious in their space that are creating positive influence and impact in their communities let's strip this right back and go back to the very beginning of where danny came from what the experience was like and where you really found your fire because if if people haven't met you in person well where have they been and why not (laughs) i'm going to talk about an event that you totally need to be at by the way but also, you know, you feel that fire in you and I can feel that through the online space and when I'm in person. And I know that fire doesn't just come from nowhere. No, no, it doesn't. Um, so if we if we re- rewind right back to the beginning. So I grew up um, on the council estates of Preston. So if you're listening sort of internationally, council estates are like, like the projects, I guess, if you're in America. So they are relatively poor areas of social housing and as such things like positive relationships be they friendships and or intimate partner relationships things like um money mindset are all things that were relatively toxic when I was growing up so when I where I was growing up we experienced within our house lots of addiction um intimate partner domestic abuse familial domestic abuse so on and so forth so the information that I had when I was very young was not great and therefore informed a lot of the decisions that I made when I got older so people like us from where I come from don't go and uh, create successes for themselves don't go and create businesses that turn over you know hundreds of thousands if not millions of pounds they don't create 
uh, kerfuffle on the internet. They don't bang the drum about inclusivity. They don't bang the drum about performance. And like people like us just didn't go and do stuff like this, the, the things that I do. So I'm a, a public speaking coach and I'm an event producer and like to help people, particularly from marginalized genders and communities, take up space in the world and share their mission and their business and all of that sort of stuff. We didn't do that. We we were expected to really form that formulaic path of life. Go to school, go to college, go to uni if you were lucky enough or clever enough, or just go straight into employment, get a job, get married, have a family, retire and die. Like it was that was the that was the path. And for me, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right to me that that was that was my lot. Um, and so essentially to kind of escape the situation that I was in at home when I was 16 I ran away with the sick <laughs> it. It, well, it wasn't really I didn't really run away with the sick because what I did do is I fibbed about my age so just between you and me and the gatepost <laughs> uh, fibbed about my age and ended up working abroad um as a performer as a singer so one of my survival tactics I guess from when I was younger was the I was two things. I was inherently a performer by nature. I was a singer um, and I was a little bit funny, a little bit quirky. And if everybody was laughing or watching me sing, they weren't fighting. So what I ended up doing is really going all in on performance for myself and, and create my employment and my jobs around singing and, and being a singer. And again, going back to that, people like us don't do things like that. It it was very much placed in things like reality TV's hands. I was never going to make it unless Simon Cowell ordained me, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and things like that. So when it came to me being a little bit older and started making choices about my intimate partner relationships, the work that I did, they were from that place of sort of misinformation, of sort of substandard expectations for myself that I didn't deserve very much. And that wound me up in a place where I was in employment that I didn't really like, even though it was a really great job. So I was um, a linen and development consultant for some huge brands over here in the UK. Um, and, I, and I hated it because I felt really bound by the situation. I came back to the UK after singing, got a proper job because that's what I was meant to do. Um, found myself in a position where I was experienced domestic abuse. Very soon after that, I was fired from the job because you can imagine there's lots of things that are going on there found myself homeless at the time I had two kids under the age of three I remember getting to a point going flipping heck all of the things that I didn't want to be I've wound up being and that bit of fire that bit of rebellion in me came from this is not my lot I don't want this to be another statistic and life was happening to me I was not happening to life. And that spark really comes from the decision that I made. My lowest point was that I am complicit in this now. I'm a grown-up making grown-up decisions. What good decisions can I make going forward? I can't change anything about what's gone past. And if I ever survive this, if I ever get through this, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in service. And that's exactly what I've gone on to do. And boy, have you done just that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, okay, so let's talk about what that actually looks like because mm -hmm. you are shit hot at what you do, right? You're mm -hmm. shit hot at what you do. You're funny, you are talented, and you are very, very good at helping people 
find their inner sparkle and mm. communicate that with the outside world. And that takes some skills, right? That that takes some serious skills. It's funny, you know, I was actually talking to my um, COO yesterday about how do we share with the wider world? We're moving into America and Australia in the next 18 months and a lot of people in the UK know who who I am. There's there's a running joke that I'm famous, which isn't actually true. Uh, I go in places and I whisper, you know, don't tell anyone, but I'm famous. And that person goes, oh, do you know that she's famous? Um, and all of a sudden people in the room think I'm famous. And it's sort of the snowball from there. Um we were saying this yesterday, what, what is what is the zone of genius that I have? And when I'm working with people, people will work with me for three different reasons. One is that they won't feel confident. So they want to slay the dragon. Speaking, um, the fear of speaking, glossophobia, is the number one fear in the Western world. It's wild. I find that, as a performer, I find that wild. And only, only you yourself, a, a, a fellow performer, um, I find it crazy that people are scared of it, but I also understand the psychology behind it. So people will come and work with me to slay the dragon. People will also come and work with me because they might not feel like they stand out. So there's lots of, there's 8 billion people in the world. I'm a public speaking coach. There's lots of public speaking coaches in the world. And a lot of people find themselves, you know, there's lots of hairdressers in the world. There's lots of coaches in the world. There's lots of shops in the world. So my like zone of genius the bit that really works for people is when they come and speak to me about what it is that they do they'll often say I'm just a solicitor or I'm just in finance it's really boring and then I ask them to tell me more about themselves why they do what they do what is the change that they want to see and all of a sudden we go from oh I've got a job or I've got a business and it makes me money to this is why I give a stuff about this industry this is why I give a stuff about people and from that conversation it's almost like a bolt of lightning happens like a forked bolt of lightning happens in my brain where I can see all the different things that they could speak on that can emote that can magnetize people towards them and they might not necessarily have thought about it so what we do is we look for those sparks we look for those what can you speak on that will have you essentially going into battle and what's the battle that we're fighting and when people start to realize that about themselves, magic starts to happen. They start to realize actually what I do is impactful. And for me, it's all about creating safe spaces to have conversations that matter. Like it's pointless just coming to me if you just want to make some money. I mean, I could teach you how to do it. Yeah, for sure. But actually, I want people who want to work with me, who want to really make a change in the world, because that then the, re the, the rebel in me allows me to sort of infiltrate and assimilate different places with this concept that we need to have conversations that matter we need to stop fighting each other we need to stop um hiding behind keyboards we need to get connection in real life we need to think about what it is that we really believe in that we really value and share that with the world so we can bring more people towards us and that's the that you know that that's the underpinning value of everything that it is that we do um and it's gone from there and i think that's what people see they see that it's not just another anything what I do. It's a way that if you come and work with me, A, you're going to be really uncomfortable because I'm going to make you see yourself in this magnificent light and people find that really uncomfortable. <laughs> but also you can start to see how you can really impact the world. And sometimes that's really scary, Leona, for people. They go, oh my God, this is important stuff. And I'm like, I know. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that because it feels like such a giant thing. Like, it feels like, you know, it's a huge thing. And actually what we forget to realise is that it's just one step in front of the other. Like, mm -hmm. it's just that little bit, little bit, little bit. Until you get to a point where you look 
back and you go, I don't even recognize where I was. Like, it feels so far away from my life right now, my experience of life right now, that actually it's wildly and vastly different, right? Mm -hmm. You do a lot for survivors of of DB and thrivers that have come through difficult and challenging situations and you help those people let's talk about that because that's really important work and uh you just kind of ended up in India or something you literally it was like you went from your event into straight to India I swear I do get into some scrapes I tell you um so when I said you know if ever I was to survive to survive the situation that I was in I'd spend the rest of my life in service that's exactly what I've decided to do and exactly what I do now but in order for me to do that I needed to create safety and security for my family and I first right you put your oxygen mask on first before you put somebody else's on so I built my business and my speaking business, IATQB. It stands for I am the Queen Bee, which incidentally has nothing to do with me being more important than anyone else. But if me being scrappy from the council estates can walk into rooms and declare herself royalty, then I hope it inspires someone else to do it too. I love it. I'm here so IATQB was my sort of vehicle for safety, security, and success because success is safe. I can only level up if I generate success. If I generate struggle for myself, I can't help anyone else. So it's really building that business centered around success and safety, right? And I did that, and IATQB is doing beautiful. We run these incredible events, have these incredible clients. Now that we've created that, we were able to create our sister company, which is a community interest company called the Fly Anyway Foundation. And what we do is we help people who've experienced domestic abuse build businesses. Because one of the things that I found on the other side of employment and the other side of experiencing this myself was that I was completely unemployable. I did not want to be told what to do. I did not want to be told when to turn up, when to go home. I didn't want to be watched. I didn't want to be, it sounds awful. I didn't want to be accountable to anybody other than myself in order to get me through psychologically from heart, you know, from a heart-centered space, all of this. I wanted to have life on my own terms. I wanted to choose. And whilst I was working for somebody at that point, I couldn't. The choice, the, the choice and the power was taken away from me. And what we often find is a lot of people who've experienced trauma experience the same thing. That's why people who've experienced domestic abuse, and bear in mind I'm being really specific about my language. I'm not saying victims, I'm not saying survivors, people who have experienced domestic abuse, because we use that language to to share and to really kind of personify that it's it is something that happens and not something that defines you if you choose you know so I am somebody who has experienced domestic abuse am I a victim would I explain myself or share myself as a victim no am I through the other side yes have I survived it yes do I want the label survivor not necessarily Mm -hmm. does it diminish what's happened to me no so we're really conscious about the the the, uh, language that we use around you're right actually you're absolutely right because if I think about my own experiences like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put myself in any of those those brackets at all but did I experience abuse yeah absolutely but it only was very recently that I kind of looked back and thought that was abuse (laughs) even though at the time the um the services that were involved in that situation of course were going hello this is abuse but (laughs) it was that was normal that was kind of my normal and so 
to kind of label it as as abuse was was a big thing for me. Um, it I, feels I quite dramatic, that. doesn't it? Like, it, and there's levels of it. Like, how much do you have to experience before we call it abuse? Any just for anybody that's listening, any kind of experience like that where somebody has behaved towards you in a way that is abusive, it's abuse. Um, right. So, yeah. It's a it's, big thing. It's a, it's a big thing. thing. And it, it, it you know, to, it, it took me 20 years. <laughs> it yeah. took me 20 years plus to get to that point where it's like, oh, this what that wasn't normal behaviour. Mm, and you're a strong, incredible, intelligent human being. And when you realise that, there's sometimes often some shame and some guilt that sits alongside the realisation that, you know, I am a successful businesswoman. I am an incredibly intelligent and wise person. And still I experience. So all things can be true. That people, there's not a type of person that experiences this. And the reason why the Fly Anyway Foundation exists is because people often fall into a trap where they become difficult to employ because they've experienced trauma and it's okay to acknowledge that and offer alternative ways for that person to create financial freedom empowering them to build their businesses in whatever way like if they've got something they can teach they can make they can share or whatever build or help people with is a commodity that they then can take power back over their finances because financial control is definitely you know one of the symptoms of abuse coercive control so allowing our um business builders our service users to take back that control for themselves adds to their survival path their thriving path um, you know, they're not reliant on anybody else and still can tap into a community of support. We say, you know, with the hands at each other's backs, we help each other when we struggle. And I just didn't find that when I was employed anywhere. Um, so yeah, we create the Fly Anyway Foundation to assist with people who are through crisis. So this isn't, you know, the reason why we exist is because I don't have the facilities to assist people during crisis. What I do is from a trauma-informed perspective, provide business support for people to really grow and to take back that power for themselves so they can step out and take up space again. So it's been a really cool journey um, and heartbreaking because the amount of research and, and stuff we've got to put into it is, you know, is real um, to make sure that we keep everybody safe, to make sure that all the team are informed, that our, you know, our ambassadors are informed, all of this sort of stuff. There's a lot of work that goes into it and we need funds. So I ended up in India um, driving a rickshaw. <laughs> For over a thousand kilometers down the east coast of India to raise money for the Fly Anyway Foundation just before Christmas. Well, just after my last um big event, uh, the, what was the day after driving <laughs> down <laughs> India in a rickshaw like that experience must have been crazy. It was petrifying. It was it was actually it was a couple of things. It was scary, it was beautiful because you know it India is absolutely beautiful the abject poverty that we experienced and saw was unlike anything I've ever seen or experienced or saw before also I was with people who I wouldn't necessarily surround myself with so what I realized was how safe I've curated my circle and how so there's so much more work to do out in the world where it comes to helping people wake up about what abuse looks like like, uh, what inclusion looks like, what um, anti-racism looks like, what anti-misogyny looks like, anti-sexism, not just saying I'm a nice person, but actually meeting people who didn't know what it meant to be an ally. They just didn't know what it meant. They just said, well, well the I don't have a problem because I don't experience the problem. 
was a real wake up call for me. Like, like viscerally experiencing people like that made me realize just how much more rebellious I need to be, just how much more vocal I need to be, just how much more I need to grow the events that I have where we can have conversations that matter so that people feel safe to come and get things wrong. People, that's feel- it. <laughs> that, that, Danny, that's it because so you know, I grew up in Leicester, right? Mm-hmm. All of my, I had a very multicultural upbringing. I was, I went to temple with my friends. I went to church with my other friends. I did all kinds of different multicultural things. And that's what I knew. And then mm-hmm. I moved out of Leicester into a tiny little village where everybody looked very similar to me. And I was like, what, what, where, what, what is going on? Yeah. And everybody, everybody's mindset, and this is quite stereotypical, but I'm going to say it. Everybody's mindset was like 30 years behind everybody with, from where I'd come from. And I was like, what yeah. is, what is with this, this kind of mentality? And for me, I really struggled with that because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything that than what I knew. And I also understood that that was my own ignorance because like, I'm like, hang on a minute. Does everybody not think and feel like me? Or like what's going right. on? But people are afraid to have the conversation because they're afraid to get it wrong because it is such a heightened, you know, you know, there's lots of passion around the topics. There's lots of misunderstandings. There's lots of fear around pissing somebody off. It doesn't matter who that person is, but there's that. So we won't say anything anyway, because if we don't say anything, then we can't get it wrong. But then if I don't say anything, then I'm going to get it wrong anyway. So what the should we do and, and then you're not learning and you're not educating like you're not doing either of those things and therefore we're not growing so we end up in these little echo chambers of silence echo chambers of um like very quiet solidarity but no action so it's it's just yeah it was a it's a huge wake up call the owner to to just realize that there are people in my proximity that are close by my direct circle who think in certain ways and so that really provided that fire in my belly to go like this needs to be bigger 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 we need safe spaces to come and get things wrong to come because like you say you you don't want to upset anyone no one's inherently horrid like but where do you ask questions and it's unfair especially if you think about people from marginalized communities um it's unfair for them to do all of the work for them to do all of the educating. So where can we go and learn these things safely? Where can we go and learn these things and sit on the spikes and be uncomfortable? And that's like, for me, that's the work. And to, you know, and to be able to say, if that's not your bag, cool, but that makes you not my audience. Right. I also have experienced a lot of that with MIB for people who don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, like people that don't have a lot of money in the business space are kind of, they tend to be pushed to one side because they don't equate to lots of cash for a traditional business coach or you know help or and I find that incredibly frustrating because mm-hmm. just because they don't have a lot of money right now doesn't mean that they don't deserve to make a lot of money whatever that looks mm-hmm. like to them and so there is and I bang on about this all the time it's like you know you're welcome in my space whether you got one pound a hundred million pounds like I'm not bothered but there are a lot of spaces that don't encourage that. And for me, mm-hmm. I found that incredibly frustrating. So it is, it's those important conversations. It doesn't matter where you are, what you've experienced, what your background, what your wealth, what your religion, what you know, your sexual orientation, your gender, yep. you know, it's it's 
it's having those conversations so that people feel like I'm seen. I am seen as a person for who I am at the core. Um, And that is a, it's a, mammoth task like it is a and sharing task. what's possible then for, for those people like you know if you make it prohibitive if you make these conversations prohibitive then people who don't have the lives that they want or the finances that they want right now they can't see where the bar's set they can't see who's paving the way so how do we expose as many people as possible to the concept that they a are worthy of more if they want it because not everybody wants more and I don't want to shame anyone if they, you know oh, if you're right. happy where you're at you're happy with your life like brilliant I, love, well, I want that for you like that's what I want your birthright is success whatever that looks like you know yeah. success might look like 10 grand a year success might look like a million pound a year success never really has a figure attached to it it's a feeling it, it, it is a feeling and it's things like you know when people come to me and they're like Leona I afforded my freaking Asda shopping today without worrying about my card being declined and I am just as buzzing probably even more so than somebody that nails 100 grand I'm like go on because yes. that feeling is amazing and that for me is the definition of success is very different for everybody and yeah. I think as as humans we have we have a responsibility to be mm-hmm. cheerleading people to wherever it is they want to be regardless of anything else like stop giving your opinion about and let's just champion everybody yeah and everybody that just wants to move the needle for themselves you know like for me I adore people who want to break cycles particularly generational cycles because we are often given gifts from the people that were before us that aren't very helpful gifts they were helpful for them at the time but not helpful for us in the world in which we live in so you know I actively look for cycle breakers sometimes that's painful sometimes that you know the success is choosing better for myself from a relationship point of view that's huge success the the um, success is for me setting a bar for my children that doesn't involve violence you know it's we get to be cycle breaks it isn't just what's on the bottom line and it's funny you should say when someone says oh I went shopping today and I didn't worry about my card that was one of my very very first measures of success I went to a personal development event and the guy had said um, he'd gone to a restaurant and he paid for a meal and he didn't look at the prices on the menu. The menu didn't have prices, but he wasn't worried about paying for it. And that night I went out, uh, we were in um, Glasgow and we went to a nice Thai restaurant in Glasgow. And I remember only being able to afford the cheapest starter on the meal. But I didn't, I just told people that I weren't hungry. The cheapest starter on the menu was the only thing that I could afford. And it was really weird that he said that now tomorrow, um, it's my it's been my fortieth birthday this year. I'm forty all year, so it's my birthday all year. Oh, yeah, just partying all year. We're celebrating it all. I love it. Right, and tomorrow I'm going. I'm going for dinner at the Fat Duck in Bray, Heston Blumenthal's beautiful, you know, experience. And I'm not concerned about how much that's going to cost. And that's not a brag, and certainly not a humble brag. But understanding that 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 feeling, I'll feel lovely tomorrow. But the best feeling I ever felt was when I took my mum to the greasy spoon and just went, I'll get that. Like, I, like I didn't have to worry about whatever you want off the menu, mum. Get whatever it is that you want off the menu. Yeah. And absolutely. she'd be like, looking for the most inexpensive thing on the menu, which is what I'd done for years and years and years. And actually, I'm like, you, 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 whatever you want, get whatever you want, mum. You have two cups of tea if you want, mum. It's all good. 
that I was like, I felt I felt like a queen. I was making it rain in this greasy spoon on my mouth. <laughs> I love it. And it's really, it's like bringing back memories. So I remember going to, I was invited to an OK Magazine event and I bought like a, a secondhand Caprice um, ball gown from ebay and she was actually there of all people she was there so i had this like and we went out for dinner and i was i was broke i was i was really broke and i remember we went to this really bougie restaurant in essex somewhere with all these really bougie people and i was not at all bougie and all i could afford was a starter and i remember i remember it was duck with a slice of watermelon and it was 26 pounds and i remember thinking what? 26 pounds for a slice of duck and melon but give me some like, breaded mushrooms at the toby carvery <laughs> and i remember thinking geez like how is everyone eating like like a starter main and pudding i was like oh i'm not hungry and and now having that freedom and flexibility to you know to not have to look at the menu yeah. prices is a whole nother ball game and for me like that's it's a it's a it's a it's a feeling that I will never forget is that yeah. being able to breathe a little bit easier and but that never would have happened sorry go on right. no but I was just gonna say it doesn't mean that business isn't hard and we were having this conversation right because I think that most people think that when you get six figures seven figures whatever it is right whatever the number is right mm -hmm. that all of a sudden shit gets easy and fireworks <laughs> from the sky and you start fighting glitter <laughs> right? and we both know that that is far from the truth mm -hmm. like that is far from the truth and for me as my business has grown my challenges have also grown yeah they said your levels so different devils Honestly, like they do. And I think it's important to talk about those things and highlight the fact that just because it appears that somebody is super successful on social media or, you know, they have this business or they have this thing that all of a sudden life is easy and, you know, they don't, you know, the kids are super well behaved and, you know, some chef makes them macro deficient fucking food. I don't know. I'm making this up, but I don't even know what macros are, but I know you're supposed to have them. <laughs> <laughs> I thought macros was a wholesaler. <laughs> it's, it's my I'm not a size eight. Can you can you imagine? Um, but it's that is just not the reality for ninety nine point nine percent of people. Yeah, it's not. It's not a reality. And it's for, for everybody that I know. They say new new levels bring different devils, you know. And if it's, it's, I'm really really open about the journey that I've taken from where I started to where I actually from just after I was homeless to where I am now. Um, if not a little bit before. I joined Facebook 2007, um, just before I had my first child, Eli, and really started to overshare from there. It became my sort of, I was like silently screaming into the ether, you know, right back at the beginning of, of social media when you'd say all the embarrassing things. Oh, yeah. I They come up on your memories and you're like... I'm deleting that. Delete. That didn't happen. I didn't say those things. Sometimes I keep it and just think, oh, past Danny, bless her. She needed a cuddle. Um, yeah. But if I if I look, I've always 
I've always shared the journey of where it is that I want to go and people have been invested in it. So a lot of people that follow me now like have seen it, but people that are coming to me, say for example, someone's listening to this podcast and has come across me for the first time, you might go and look at my Insta and think, oh, she's got it all together. And I'm in the middle of producing an event that's huge, that's big, that's grown from like 50 people to just under a thousand people in three really short years. And you know, it costs six figures to run and I've got to pull that out and still pay all my team and still like pay me mortgage and still send the kids, you know, to the places that they want to go to go and do the learning and, 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 and it's hard, you know, it's really difficult and that causes sleepless nights. The more responsible, the bigger the business, the more responsible you are for people, the more people you're responsible for, you know, we've got, I've got four full-time members of staff who they only work for me. So if I don't do what I need to do as the CEO of my business, they're not being fed. Their kids aren't being fed. That's that's quite a lot of pressure to be holding on to. It is. And you do feel that. And I don't care what anyone says. You feel that pressure as somebody who is responsible to, for other people's pay, paychecks and their food on their table and that is that's an overwhelming response and I'm not sure what that's an overwhelming feeling of responsibility and I'm not entirely sure that ever goes (laughs) no and and that but it also helps me get out of bed in the morning so if I think about you know the bigger the bigger picture is that we create this big event that brings people to it to have conversations that matter we we really I really lead from a value center so you know under the premise that we all do well when we all do well kindness is our superpower above all else and and so on the team are really heavily invested in that core value set as well which makes the growth much easier it makes what we're trying to do and the change that we're trying to make in the world much easier is that we're super clear on what we care about within business. And we make all of our decisions based on that value set. Mm -hmm. So based on our core values, how we hire and fire, how we attract clients to us, the marketing that we use, the way that we market, what we say. And I say we, it's the royal we, there's a lot of me doing it. Um, But yeah, making sure that everything comes back to the reason why we're here helps keep that drive going forward helps that you know that fire in your belly like me inherently wanting to do things a little bit differently wanting to do things from a joy space wanting people to engage with the things that I do with a sense of excitement and joy like all of that helps me be that rebel helps me be that you know helps me maintain that and not get lost in the in the mess of everything I guess because it's messy let's talk about big festoon because I came to your last one uh which is be inspired and now is the big festoon which is freaking awesome um <laughs> and and you did a phenomenal job you did really did okay. a phenomenal job it is not easy to carry energy for two solid days as a performer <laughs> as, as somebody who speaks for a living that high level of energy is no joke and I don't know about you but after an event like that I feel like I'm going to die for at least three days like I have such yeah. an hangover that I'm, I'm done so you did an amazing amazing job and your energy is absolutely something that is so incredibly powerful and people want to be in your space and and want to be at your events just because you dress like a giant poo on the stage. <laughs> like, um, <clears throat> let's talk about Big Festoon and what people can expect from from the next one because it's not so, far away. 
It's not far away. At the time of the recording this, we're just five weeks out. Actually, we will be on day one in five weeks' time, so we're very, very excited. So the big festoon, the reason why we're called, like, the reason why the Flying Away Foundation is called the Flying Away Foundation is because there's this quote from the Bee movie, right? That aerodynamically, bees shouldn't be able to fly. Their little wings shouldn't get the fat little bodies off the ground and the bee didn't get the memo. The bee flies anyway, right? So, we're, like, all of the bee stuff, um, I find really interesting. I find... I find bees fascinating, which makes me sound like a massive geek. It's because I am a massive geek. Um, that's, why we, bees, that's why we get on. That's why we're friends. We just geek out over business and geek out over people and stuff, and I just love it. But bees, where they're building something new, Leona, they link arms, right? So they link arms as a measuring tool, and they show the other bees where to build to. And it's called festooning you can look it up google it i'm not bullshitting you so the big festoon for me the premise is a place where we can go and link arms and grow together we can set the bar with and for each other the room is a huge leveler so we have pre-startup we have you know five-figure entrepreneurs six seven eight figure entrepreneurs we have billionaires that come to the event and it's this big melting pot of people who a want to learn about life and business and there's no topic off the table so sex and relationships all the way through to property and investments and everything in between so it isn't just about business it's about growth however it is that you want to grow so what we do is over the course of two days is we deliver lots of little talks we get incredible speakers some of which i've trained sometimes we get vip speakers to come in or celebrity speakers to come in and we share over the course of two days lots of ideas and lots of concepts and lots of conversations that matter. And then interspersed with that is a, a lot of joy. So the performer in me and the production values that I have, I set the bar for myself really, really high. So as a singer and a performer by inherent nature, I want people to come to my events and enjoy themselves. So I want them to learn. Of course, I want them to learn. Of course, I want them to move the needle for themselves. I want them to meet each other and meet their people who they can collaborate with and run with and build with. And we've got this brilliant, big, vibrant, beautiful community of different types of people, people who've been in business for ages and want that injection of energy, people that are new that want to have like mentors, and like introduce them to each other. And it's this big old melting pot of growth and joy is probably the best way that I can describe it it's like a two-day TEDx style rave um and then at the end of it we have this brilliant after party where we can blow off steam like you and I had a boogie at the last one and we've got some brilliant DJs that come to the after party as well so we've got this sort of whole two days together where the rest of the world doesn't exist it's just us focused being really selfish about our personal growth and doing it in a really inclusive way so I've been to conferences before, I don't know about you, Leona, where you sat hour after hour being talked at, talked at, talked at, talked at. You feel rude if you get up and move around. I am neurospicy, I'm a little bit neurodivergent um, and find it very difficult to sit for long periods of time. So what we do is we have bite-sized conversations, we have breakout spaces where you can go and regulate office spaces where you can go and work because I know two days out of your business is a long old time and we record everything so you don't miss everything so say for example you need to move around miss a talk you don't you can go and check in in the members area and go and see the talk so what we've tried to do is create this excellent space for communication excellent space for for learning and conversations and some of the best heart-centered networking whether you are male female male female non-binary whoever you are um we are actively welcoming everybody in to come and get amongst this and you and, and I can honestly tell you that I I felt that 
like I did. I felt that. I'm very much like you. Like, it takes something to get me to sit down and listen for a good two days. Like, I'm, my brain is 100 miles an hour. And, you know, take time away from your kids and time away from your business is a lot. But mm-hmm. I took so much away from being at your event. My black book was growing by the minute. Like I, I was making so many amazing connections. I've actually got some speakers speaking at a couple of our events from from meeting them at your event. You know, the the atmosphere was amazing, and that it really is testament to you. It really is because you know what, everything's about you know how you lead those things, and you mm-hmm. did a phenomenal job. I cannot wait to be there. I'm exhibiting. I don't even know what I'm bringing. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I said to my team the other day, I've never exhibited. I was like, what am I going to take? They're like, I drive everyone nuts, as I'm sure you can imagine. But, you know. Well, the, and the thing is, for people that have never done that before, so speaking, exhibiting, and sponsoring events is a really great way to. Uh, to market it's a brilliant great way to market so what people can do is there's different levels of entry to get involved or to do that so that what we do then is we share you with our wider community it gives you an opportunity to platform also for people that have never exhibited before we train you how to do it so instead of like you go to another big event and you'll say yeah I'll have a sponsorship slot or yeah I'll have an exhibit spot then you get left to your own devices actually because I know a bit about a bit when it comes to events I'll spend time with you to help you. So even if you're new to something like that, whether you're a delegate or whether you're, you know, whether you're an experienced sponsor, so on and so forth, there is absolutely something for everyone and a way for everyone to get involved. So whether they're wanting to market themselves, whether they just wanted to become more visible, whether they wanted to speak, all these different things, they get this opportunity in this beautiful sphere of awesomeness. So yeah, I'm really proud of what we've created. And I'm just made up that I'm like one of the only events that you come and attend like it just makes me feel that special I am honestly I'm like you're going to this you're going to that I'm like no (laughs) like I'm not going to anything else um because it just my brain just can't cope it's just like it it, it just can't cope but honestly Danny I'm I'm like you know when you're proud of somebody from afar even though you don't really know them that well but you think they're freaking awesome like a secret stalker I do feel that way about you because I see something in you that I see in myself and that mm-hmm. is do you know what you've had to work really hard to get to where you are yeah. and, and I think when you've experienced that yourself and you see that in somebody else you're like go on go get yeah it. like go sis go on yeah, like I got you on. yeah we got I see you and that's all you need to know but you really have done an amazing job I cannot wait to see you at Big Festoon I hope you've got your dancing shoes on because Sam Squires actually messaged me and he was like, you looking forward to dancing again? I was like, Sam, I was ruined for three days after, I swear to God. But I'm just looking forward to it. You're going to be amazing. We're going to have a lot of fun. But So if you haven't got your ticket to the Big Festoon, you need to go right now and get your ticket because it's going to be amazeballs. I'm going to be exhibiting. I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) bring. I'm going to bring myself. Just stand saying freely owner hugs. (laughs) <laughs> I, am. I am the exit bit. I am. That's it. Kai was like, Mom, just wear that bright pink suit you wore to an event that you went to and, and you'll be fine. That's it. Um, so I will be there I, and Danny will be there and it's going to be amazing. So you need your ticket just for that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. And we've, like I say, we've got all sorts of brilliant, we've got all sorts of surprises. Um, We've still got a couple of VIP tickets left. So there's some brilliant swag bags that are up for offers. There's there's, there's loads of things that you can come and get involved with. So if you go to um, thebigfestoon.co.uk, there's all the details on there. 
go get it. Right, we'll put it put all your links in the show notes anyway. Danny, it's been a pleasure, you flipping legend. I know you're super busy. I know you're a mum and it's half term and all that stuff. So thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I cannot wait to see you for hugs. I can't wait to see what you do at this bloody expo. <laughs> Who knows? It's going to surprise me. and surprise everybody. And that concludes today's episode with me, Leona Burton. You have been listening to the Rebel Influencer Podcast. Wow, what an episode. Before you go, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to Peaks Private Members Club for their sponsorship. Just remember, Peaks isn't just about events. It is about creating an environment where entrepreneurs who are serious about scaling their business coming together with a focus on mastermind sessions, unique mentoring, and deep, meaningful connections and conversations. Peaks is about redefining the entrepreneurial journey. Discover more at peaksprivatemembersclub.com and make sure you go and follow Nicola Peak on Facebook or any of her other socials. For our listeners, Peaks is offering a special opportunity. Reach out to Nicola and mention my Rebel podcast and you'll be in to receive an exclusive discount.